It's that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you. Uh, what a Tuesday it could have been if things had just gone differently. Uh, it could have been a day of celebrations and parades and Rupp Arena and banners being revealed. But as you have it, it's Duke winning a national championship, which just seems the exact opposite of all that. Uh, America doesn't really like it when Duke wins, and understandably so. I was rooting for Wisconsin to win yesterday, um, but Duke, I thought Duke would win, predicted Duke to win, thought they were the better team. They are uh, a fantastic team. Really, three great teams in college basketball this year in Wisconsin, in Duke, and in Kentucky. And unfortunately for the Cats, that just wasn't meant to be. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that Duke-Wisconsin game. Uh, not, not too much. Uh, but we're going to turn the page on this college basketball season, and we're going to look towards next year. We're going to look to see who comes back, who decides to stay, who decides to go. There's a little bit of news here and there with some players, so we'll touch on that. would love to hear from you on Twitter, at T. Walker Rivals. If you get a moment to call in, feel free. 502-384-1450 is the number. No guests today, so it's just going to be Trevor, me, and whatever you all have to say. So I look forward to hearing from you all. Trevor, how are you? I'm fine. You couldn't get rid of me, though, TJ. I'm sorry. Just fine? That's all? Uh, super. Thanks for asking. A little bit of uh, news today is Kentucky received in the final AP poll. They, went, they started the season number one, and this is the first time they weren't number one all season. Did receive two first-place votes. I'm not sure who casted those votes. Uh, the but, same guy that didn't give them the one vote during the year. Yeah, probably. Finished number three in the final AP poll. Uh, you know, it, that's no surprise. I, I think the top five was really set in stone. I could have predicted that much early on. Uh, I, I, I would have been curious if Kentucky would have moved to number two and, and gotten fri- – if, if Wisconsin had won – you could have made a strong case for Kentucky being number two. Uh, but as you have it, they finished the year number three. So 2014, this is just going off the top of my head. 2014, they finished number two. 2013, obviously unranked. 2012, number one. 2011, number three or number two. I don't, I'm, I'm imagine they were probably behind Butler. I'm not 100% sure about that. 2010, I, I'm sure it was a top five finish, maybe number four. So all those things considered, John Calipari, uh, since he's been at Kentucky in the AP poll to finish the year, a lot of top five finishes. Unfortunately, only number only one first place finish. Uh, it's been it's been a hell of a run. But since he's been at UK, Trevor, two other teams have won two national titles, and then Kentucky's won one, and obviously Louisville won the other. You look at the tournament runs of UConn and and Duke, two national titles. Duke has, I think, two first-round losses in that same time frame, time frame, an Elite Eight loss when they lost to Louisville. UConn, I think they've missed the tournament twice in that run, a first-round loss in 2012, and then two national titles, which... 
in Kentucky, obviously, four Final Fours in five years. The other year, a Elite Eight appearance and a national title in that run. Trevor, are you still taking the two titles regardless of what happens the other years in terms of stacking up these resumes over the past six seasons? It's kind of a tough question. I mean, it's uh, do you want a million dollars in tens or maybe do you want it in fives? Uh, do you, you take do you take six years? Well, five out of six years, I guess, because there's the NIT year. But five out of six years of utter dominance, but one title to show, or do you want two titles in three years or four years of mediocrity, and maybe not even to that level? On the, that, on the, that's a tough. That's a tough question. I I I'd almost want to say I take the titles. On the one hand, you can't win a title if you don't go to the Final Four. So if you're putting yourself in positions to go to the Final Four or or you're in the Final Four every single year, that's exciting. Those are fun seasons. I, I, I can't – Louisville fans listening and, and certainly Kentucky fans listening know the feeling of winning an Elite Eight game and how awesome that is knowing that you get another week of basketball, getting another week of anticipation, excitement, talk – um, and then you, you get to play in the, the biggest stage with the entire country looking into that game, Final Four games. You've got to get to the Final Four to, to be able to win a title. But as unfortunate as it seems, I do you, you have to take the titles. If Kentucky and John Calipari's, let's say his his results were, Trevor, let's say – Four losses in the first weekend of the tournament. Maybe, maybe you make it to the round of 32 sometimes. Maybe you lose in the first round sometimes. But you end up having two titles. I still think you take the titles. Yeah, I would take the titles too. I mean, like you said, I agree. For example, in 2005, because even though I'm not as old as you may think I am, I don't recall 86 as well. In 2005, when Louisville finally got to the Final Four, it was the first Final Four I'd really experienced, you know, as, as it, to remembering it as an adult or a teenager. And it was the thrill of getting there. It was, it was disappointing to lose to Illinois. Very disappointing. Of course, I was so drunk, I really don't remember it very well. But it was still disappointing. But the thrill of getting there was great. But once you get that thrill, and as an Eagles fan, I know this very well from going to four NFC title games, and it's great to get there once. But once you get there once or twice, eventually, you know. It's great if the girl comes home with the TJ, but you don't want her to go to bed as soon as she gets there. You want her to try to get some once you get home. <laughs> this is a family radio show, Trevor. I, I cleaned it up. <laughs> <laughs> you really did. Um, but you get my point. <laughs> I, I understand your point. And speaking of the 2005 Final Four that you mentioned with back when I was just a, a young buck, I guess I was probably 14, uh, my friend and I got in this huge argument. And this, is, of course, Kentucky hadn't been to a Final Four since 98, and they lost in the Elite Eight. So I was kind of bitter, and I was kind of upset. And I made the statement, and they still they still bring this up to this day, but I made the statement that Final Fours mean nothing. Uh, that's not, you know, who cares if you made a Final Four? Ultimately, that shouldn't that shouldn't matter. Now, obviously, I've backed off that stance. That, I was that's just rival, rival hate talk, by the way. I, that was angry. I was frustrated. I didn't, I, but the point of what I was trying to say, actually, I still kind of believe, is that at places like Kentucky and Louisville, if you're not winning national championships, then everything else is obviously underneath it, significantly underneath it. Uh, you are judged on championships, so Final Fours they mean they mean a, a great deal. It's a it's a huge honor to get to a Final Four. It's as a fan, it's probably the most fun. 
uh, event that you can go to in sports. Uh, well, assuming that you're you like college basketball, uh, it's a great great deal. But the point still stands. You're judged at UK. You're judged at Louisville, Duke, Kansas, IU. Even it, it seems like it's been years. It has been years, but. Championships are what kind of sets you apart from those other programs, not necessarily Final Four. So I would take the national titles. I would. At least Cal does have the one title in 12, though. It's not as if he's got six Final Fours and no championship rings. That's true. You're you're right about that. Uh, So he does have – and I'm I'm not saying – what Calipari's done at Kentucky has been unbelievable. UK fans are incredibly spoiled, and if if this run ends and – uh, UK hits a, a, a three or four year slump of maybe some early tournament upsets or things not really panning out in March as they have the past few years. You, I don't know if UK fans are going to be able to know how to react because they're incredibly spoiled. Yet, yes, just one national championship when theoretically it could be, you know, 2010 could certainly be a, a title year. Uh, 2011, without a doubt, could have been a title year if they can get by UConn, which I, I think they were just as good as a team as UConn. 2012, they did win the title. 2013, throw it out the window, bad team. 2014, they were in the title game against Everyone UConn. Everyone gets a mulligan. <laughs> exactly. 2014, in the title game against uh, a team that they probably could have beaten, and then this year, obviously. Uh, it's, it's not, it, it is crazy to think about, but it's not completely asinine to say that John Calipari could have five titles at Kentucky. Now, if that were the case, he would have left for the NBA probably after 2012 if he won three straight championships. Uh, but it's not cra- he he should have more than one. He shouldn't have five. That's you know stuff happens. You don't you don't win every year, and you're not the best team every year. But he probably should have more than one. But Kentucky fans have been spoiled. I don't think any UK fans are necessarily complaining about just the one title because these other runs have been incredibly fun. Uh, but it is interesting to think about that it, while Kentucky has been so dominant the past five, six years, there are two other programs out there that have more national titles, and then your biggest rival has the same amount of titles, although Kentucky's run has been more impressive than Louisville's, although both have just been unbelievable. It's been a weird five or six years in college basketball. Duke fans can relate to kind of only getting the one title. I mean, this is a program, remember, when they first – well, you don't remember, but if you know that from 86 till 90 till – to 91, they went to every Final Four and it took till 91 till they got that first national title. They went to eight Final Fours in nine years and won two titles. Yeah, uh, that's but they're they're living... Now they're winning them now when they get there. And if I was a Duke fan, just hope for the title in Indianapolis every season. And, and let's talk a little bit about that title game. The only it, Duke's really good. I, I've said it all year. Uh, all year. When when they were losing games, and I was still saying they deserved to be a one seed because of how good they were, uh, a lot of Kentucky fans, even some Louisville fans, talked about how crazy that was. They don't play any defense. They're not a great defensive team, uh, but they don't play any defense. They're they're going to get beat in the tournament, maybe early on in the tournament, like Coach K so often does. They're a really really good team. The difference maker for me, you you know how good. Julia Lokafor is. You've got a crafty, quick guard and Tyus Jones. The difference maker for me was Justice Winslow. He was just the perfect build for a college basketball player. Quinn Cook, one of the most improved college basketball players this season. Uh, he was kind of not a laughing, not the laughing stock of Duke basketball in some of their early round upsets, but struggled 
greatly in some of those games uh, the past few years. He turned into a machine, a, a great three-point shooter. It's a really, really good Duke team. Not a not a super deep Duke team. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the 2000 Kentucky team where you've got a lot of star power. You have a dominant starting five. Not a great bench, but some help off the bench. Uh, and so they deserve to win that title. You know the thing that jumps out to me, though, about this national championship game, Trevor? Not, not the... Not the not the play on the court. Uh, it was a fun game. Everybody was making a big deal about, ooh, I thought college basketball was unwatchable. Well, if you watch enough college basketball, trust me, there's plenty of college basketball that's unwatchable. And then a lot of other people said, well, uh, making fun of Kentucky fans, saying, well, look at this. Kentucky is uh, not in the championship game, and they get unbelievable ratings. The most watched national title game since 97, which Kentucky was in that game, too which I guess maybe surprises me since 97, but obviously it's going to be a watch national championship game because you have two number one seeds, two really big fan bases. Wisconsin predominantly known for their football fan base, but it's still a state school that has a ton and ton of fans. Uh, it's two one seeds, and you just had Wisconsin knock off Goliath, and, and what do they do against Duke? Obviously, I'm not surprised that I got such good ratings. And any UK fans that said nobody's going to watch now, then they're just – they're, they're stupid because obviously people were going to watch that. All that aside, the one thing that stood out for me in that national title game, college basketball officiating has to change or it is going to kill this sport. I don't know if I'd go as far as say it would kill the sport. It but will it kill was... it, Trevor. It'll be like a Game of Thrones character that they take out in two minutes. They will kill it and it'll be an ugly, ugly death. I, I agree that the officiating needs to be improved, and I don't know how to improve it other than just trying to punish the, the referees and the officials in some way for having bad games. I mean, I, I don't know if that would make them work harder. I don't know if giving them a tenure is, it would make them feel better and more fuzzy inside. But you can't miss – I mean, getting a block and charge call that people question is one thing. I, I, you can't really – I can't get mad at a ref for that because it's such a split-second decision. And it's hard to do. We don't. They don't have the luxury of looking back at film. But to miss a Justin Winslow's foot on the line when he's wearing an all-white shoe and it's a black out-of-bounds line and it's right in front of you, or to go back and look at the replay and miss a ball coming off Winslow's finger. And I guess you say, well, it's got, it wasn't definitive. The, if his finger doesn't touch, the ball doesn't do a backspin and go straight down. That's what happens. It's physics. You don't have to watch Big Bang Theory to understand physics. Not to mention you can see his finger bending at the ball. To go back at the replay and not reverse that, those are the ones that annoy me the most. The, those are the ones that are inexcusable, in, in my opinion. And supposedly the refs didn't have all the same footage they, they said on the TV, which is even crazier to me and, and, and just stupid to me. How, how do they not? Uh, and I guess you know, maybe that is, you know, that's not the ref's fault. I can't help what you know. We can't help what they see and what they control. But there's also just a bunch of stupid rules. Uh, Kentucky shot clock violation. I mean, that's something you should be able to review. If that's 38 seconds later, they can review it, Trevor. Uh, but the fact that it's two minutes and 38 seconds left, and not just two minutes, they can't. It's crazy to me. It's it, stupid. Anything involving the buzzer going off in terms of hitting a shot before a buzzer, whether it be a quarter, a half. I say quarter because I'm thinking NBA in my head for some reason. But whether it be a half or a shot clock, you should be able to go back and look at that no matter whether the time of the game. But I'm I not going to complain too much because I was hoping Wisconsin wins, so it benefited me. Because you can <laughs> you can look if to see if a three-pointer 
is a three-pointer or a two-pointer. Yeah. And that's just to decide one point. Uh, a shot clock violation at any point in the game is to decide two or maybe three points. Uh, and, you know, I guess sometimes, theoretically, you could get an and one to decide four points or, or three points on a traditional two-point play. But, uh, but you can't review that. It doesn't make any sense to me. And don't give me the, oh, it's going to make the game go too long excuse, because I promise you this. If a game is 20 minutes less time running, the people that, if, as long as the call is right, they're not going to complain about losing an extra 20 minutes of waiting for the game to end more than they are complaining that they just got two points taken away from them or given to them improperly. Yeah, and if you want to shorten the game, there's other ways to do that. Don't give te- teams 30 timeouts a game. Or, or, uh, or a TV timeout every three minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and this is actually something that I, I thought they should change, is that uh, when a team calls a timeout, even if it's a 30-second timeout, when there is a TV timeout scheduled, then just turn that into a TV timeout. And then what ends up happening is they take a timeout, they'll go to commercial break, they'll come back, uh, they'll, uh, they'll throw the ball in bounds and it'll hit off somebody and go out of bounds. And guess what? You get a TV timeout right then. So you'll get nine minutes of commercial for one. It could literally be one second of gameplay. That's stupid. There's other ways to, to speed up the game. So you can make these reviews very feasible and easy to deal with and, and not have them really stall the game so you're you're at a game for three hours it doesn't have to be that way but if it's a good game tj have you ever said after a good game going man that was a great game but man it was two and a half hours long have you ever complained about a good game going too long no and sometimes you'll have exciting finishes with sloppy games that take forever but generally games are too long when there's just a ton of foul calls uh, which you know, not a, isn't always the officials' fault, but uh, something that college basketball is a little bit down. It's not all the officials' fault, but this is the final four in the national championship game, and you have refs making terrible calls. Terrible calls. These are the refs that throughout the season and throughout the NCAA tournament, the NCAA has said, you all have been doing a good job. We are going to reward you by officiating on the biggest stage possible. And they're messing stuff up. Does that not reflect to how the season is in a whole would go though? If this is the best that the season had to offer, and this is the production, and this is the product they put out there, does that not just kind of tell you? you take a step back and look at that. Tell you how bad fishing could have been all through the season. Well, it, it, it has been bad throughout. Sure, the season. yes. And, and uh, here, one more point before we go to commercial break. But I, I watched some of Bellerman's games in the in the division two tournament uh, and, and watched some of their run and i just really enjoyed the basketball and i got to a point where i hadn't really complained about the officiating or noticed a bad call or uh, even thought twice about the officials i was just watching basketball and kind of forgot that the officials even existed and that's how basketball should be ideally uh, you, you you watch the NBA and, and you don't complain about the officials too much. You know, you, you talk to people that cover the NBA or follow the NBA consistently more than I do. Uh, they'll tell you that officiating is bad, but you have people that watch both NCAA and NBA and they may, they say the NBA is unbelievably better called. Uh, so what I'm thinking is that NBA, you probably do have the best officials because they're going to pay them the most money. Uh, they're going to work the most nights they're, the NBA has the best officials when it comes to basketball. But 
But here's the thing is I couldn't understand why I thought the D2 officials were so much better than the D1 officials. And the only thing I can think, Trevor, is that really there's no difference, no major difference between those two. Uh, the Division One officials might be a bit more seasoned. Maybe they've called more games, this and that. But here's the thing. I, I think Division One. now you've got guys that should be playing in the NBA. Uh, you've got one-and-done players that should never step foot on college. The game is much faster. It's, it's much more competitive. Uh, guys are stronger. They can make plays that they couldn't make maybe 20 or 30 years ago. And the refs aren't able to officiate at that high of a level. Where D2, it's more of, you know, a little bit more like high school basketball where you have good players, but they're not going to – the game hasn't gone by the officials yet. Does that make sense? It does, and it kind of piggyback on, on what you say about the game is a different level in college and even maybe closer to what it is in the NBA because of the amount of one-and-dones. A lot of these referees that do these games are experienced referees of, of 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and whatever it may be. And like you said, you're right. They passes them by. They're used – they haven't evolved to call the game the way the players have evolved to play it. Yeah, and that's, that's the point that I'm trying to make. I don't know what you do. I don't know, maybe, you know, the NCAA money has millions well, and millions. You sit them down maybe. and you show them videos and, and clips of certain calls, particular calls, not even just the Final Four and title game, but throughout the season. You say, look, this is what it's going to be. This is how we're going to do it, and, and this is how we need to start calling games. If it's frustrating at the beginning of the year, like it kind of was in, was it 2013 when they did the handshake thing? You know, if it gets frustrating at the beginning of the year, so be it. But by in, at the end of the season, if it's working, then we'll take some lumps at the beginning of the year. I, I wish there was a way that – first off, I've said this for probably five years now. I would be a better college official than almost anybody I've seen. As long as I know all the little rules or somebody could help me out on all the little rules that – uh, never happened in a million years, but can happen. If, you know, technically they could happen. As long as somebody could help me out on those little things, when it comes to calling fouls, out of bounces, blocks and charges, I don't care. I, people say, well, in the moment it's harder. I understand that, and I'm, I'm not saying I would never make a mistake, but I would be better than Doug Shouse. I'd be better than any of these other people that I've seen out there. Uh, could you handle the criticism of the crowd, the coaches, writing? Could you? Oh you, yeah. I don't know, TJ. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I've never seen you. Can Can you take somebody yelling at you nonstop, whether it be fans or coaches or players or complaining? I can, I can absolutely do. We need to head a commercial break. We're going to keep talking about this when we come back here on fourteen fifty. The Sports Buzz. Stick around. You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. Reject a woman and she will never let it go. One of the many defects of their kind. Also weak arms. Back here, 1450 Sports Buzz. Some exciting news before we get started. Allen Electric will be the title sponsor of The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. Uh, which is something I'm very excited about. I know Tony Allen, who 
is the uh, head honcho at Allen Electric. They do a fantastic job with residential electric repairs in Louisville and Southern Indiana. Uh, so this is something that I would hope for would happen for a, a few a few months. And finally, it's official. So excited to be able to announce that uh, Allen Electric. Can I, th- can I take my own horn and say that it finally went through when I was added to the show permanently? Uh, you know, not to uh, not to say anything about Yates. I know he listens from time to time, but I don't know. Maybe maybe Trevor being on the board uh, and chiming in from time to time on the show was the was what final finally got it done. That's what I'll Could tell. Be. At least that's what I'll tell the ladies at the bar when I'm picking them up. Here we go again. Uh, would you would you make of Rand Paul announcing that he will run for president today, Trevor? Did he? I, I don't follow. This is something you're going to have to learn about me. I don't follow anything outside of pop culture and sports. If it's polit- politics, I know nothing about it. So if he's running for president, uh, good for him. Well, all righty. Uh, it, he's, a, he's a Kentucky. He's from, well, he represents Kentucky in the Senate. Does he? he he's from Pennsylvania, but... Uh, has now uh, in his first term, I, I would, I'm pretty sure, as a Kentucky senator, he went to went to Duke, but he, he supposedly I, I heard that he he walked by the Wisconsin section on Saturday night and everybody booed him, and then he walked by the Kentucky section and everybody cheered him. Um, he's Kentucky, so I'm assuming Republican, right? He's he's a Republican, okay. right about that. Uh, and uh, I can't recall the last Kentuckian that ran for president. Now, he obviously still have to win the Republican nomination, which may be tough for him to do, but was, I'm all for could, could it have been Henry Clay? I know he ran twice for president. That was a long, long time ago. So that would mean that it, nobody had done it for 200 over – I guess what that was probably eighteen hundred, so over uh, around two hundred years. Hey, Wisconsin so, hadn't been to a title game since nineteen forty-one. Things, <laughs> things go on. There's big gaps between events. I would imagine that that somebody has another Kentuckian has run. I can't think of the person off the top of my head, uh, but we would we'll have to maybe we can look that up during a break. Uh, but yeah, some some interesting political news. I don't know how often we talk politics on here. I, I'm more likely to talk about TV shows and all that fun stuff, but we'll see. Uh, big storms also coming into the area as well, which I imagine at some point during this show, Trevor, there's going to be some lightning, thunder, all that good stuff. I'm looking out my little prison window here in the studio, and it looks gloomy, but I haven't seen the rain begin to fall yet. I haven't either, but it's, it's coming. Winter is coming. Storms are coming. Uh, we were talking about officiating and how I guaranteed that I could do a better job than any official that I've ever seen in college basketball. TJ, real quick before you get going, here's a problem I have. Because is if, if I'm not mistaken, I do have short-term memory on occasion, but yesterday you, when talking about the the bitterness between rivals and the trash talking, that I think you gave like this kind of like tree-hugger answer about you know everybody just hug, you know being nice to each other and that doesn't seem like the attitude of someone who could take the thick skin of what is required to be a referee. Oh, Trevor, I have pretty thick skin. 
I mean, to be a writer, especially one that covers Kentucky, I know you have to be. And to be in this business, you definitely have to have some thick skin. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know you well enough to say I think you do, but I'm just throwing out the reasons why I would uh, doubt that you might. Listen, I, I am a guy that covers Kentucky. I have a radio show that focuses in on Kentucky. But several times in the past two years, I have said negative things about Kentucky. Uh, most specifically, and probably when it got the worst, was when I mentioned after Kentucky had lost to Florida in football that and that was a bad loss. That's a, a loss that Kentucky can't afford. They had that game wrapped up. I, I said that you know that's a UK fan shouldn't be thrilled about losing that game. It, it, the moral victory should be gone from the Kentucky football program. And man, that was. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of people weren't happy with those comments, a lot of Kentucky fans. Uh, I really think to be in this business, you have to have thick skin. And when it comes to officials and refereeing and coaches yelling at you and fans disagreeing with you, I don't really see what the issue would be with officiating. Why would you – what's the worst that can happen? Would you break down and cry if a coach yelled at you? I've, I've never, I've never that. seen it happen, but I, I, I don't know if I, I would, but I would laugh at that if I did see it happen. No, but you could, you could. I mean, if you're one of those type of people, maybe that that likes to wants to be likes to be liked, doesn't doesn't enjoy people disliking him and hating him, or if for whatever reason it may be, even if it is something petty and stupid, but just because you call it a foul the wrong way against somebody, you can let your decision making and those fifty fifty calls sway towards. One side or another. And we see that in the NBA, too. I'm drawing a blank on the referee's name that Tim Duncan would accuse numerous times for favoring certain individual players that he liked and not favoring ones he didn't like. And I'm sure there's Uh, referees in college that do that same with – that are referees buddies with Tim uh, Rick Pitino or Calipari or Coach K or whoever it may be may give that person a benefit of a a block charge call in certain situations, not even knowing they're doing it. And was when Wisconsin was up eight or nine, whatever their their largest lead of the game was last night. That's when you did see Rick Pitino start to, or not Rick Pitino, excuse me, Coach K really start to get on the officials, uh, really start to get on them. And uh, officials can be so easily influenced. It seems like whether by it's, it's the home crowd or by other coaches. But once once co, it's like a game can't get quite too far out of hand if there's a big-name coach on the sidelines because then they're going to start talking to the officials and the officials are going to start helping them out. It's, it's, it's almost sad how predictable a college basketball game can be between two big-time schools or a big-time school or with an underdog. I'm kind of shocked at times that Duke could ever lose to a 15 seed in the NCAA tournament because – Coach K's influence on officials because look at this figure that represents college basketball, probably the greatest college basketball coach ever, and he's on the sideline and he's telling you you're doing a bad job. I could see a lot of officials thinking to themselves, ooh, then I, I must probably be not doing a great job if he's that upset. I don't, I don't, I don't think the officials change. Yeah, I don't think they do it. I think it's more subconsciously they do it. You know, they, they just keep hitting their ear. They know, he, like you just said, they know he's what he knows and know he. He's a legend in this game, and and they don't mean to make it seem like it favors towards Duke, and but sometimes I think subconsciously they probably do. And they, if, a, if it comes to a block charge call, it's one of the more questionable calls. Or a player is, you know, an example: the Sam Decker foul call that put him up five when Harrison 
pretty much didn't even touch him. I guess he blew on him a little hard. I don't know. But, you know, then they make that call just out of thinking, okay, I know Bo Ryan. I know his, you know, his kids are going to be well coached. It's a foul call. And a lot of times they blow the whistle way too early on judgments, thinking seeing two guys jump up towards the rim, that's automatically going to be a foul. And that needs to get rid of right away. Yeah. Anyways, I, 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 I think with a little training, give me a week of training, I could go in and be the best official in college basketball. And I'm really a little, a big part of me is not joking about that. Uh, I have never officiated college basketball. Uh, a lot of my friends have done intramurals and small things like that. I haven't done that, although I'd like to. I, I um, got what, you. I, I, I help run a little league. I'm going to get you officiating this year, next year. I, I, I have umpired, and this is a funny story. Or, well, I think it's a funny story, but uh, I did umpire a little league game, or little league, back when I was probably 13 or maybe 14 years old. I couldn't drive to work, so uh, it was definitely before I was 16. So the first game I ever do, it's machine pitch. Uh, and these kids are, I guess, eight or nine. They're they're young. However old you are in machine pitch, I get out there. The other umpire's not out there. In a machine pitch, you don't have to get behind home plate, so you can actually do it with one umpire. And I'm sure we've all played in games, even kid pitch, where you've had one umpire because you know we don't play in the most prestigious little leagues. But that's okay. It's baseball, and it's still fun, anyways. So you don't you don't have to be behind home plate in machine pitch. And uh, I knew I read all I read the books. I knew what I was supposed to do in a situation where I was supposed to be. Uh, I was the only umpire out there. I knew where I was supposed to be. So the first batter. And this is not joking. This is the first batter of the game. Uh, I'm nobody's on base, obviously. So I'm standing down the first baseline because that's where you're supposed to be. Uh, if there's a bang bang play at first, I've got the right view of it. First pitch of the game, this little kid hits it right down the third baseline. I don't know if it's foul or fair. Have no clue. I call it fair, and the the kid's coach or or the other the D I guess the the team out on the field, their coach, and he was probably just some forty year old dad that was doing this because the wife made him and didn't want to be there. Uh, he was very nice and polite, but he was like, that was, I promise you, that was foul. You missed that one. And I was like, eh, well, you know, you got to be confident. That's number one. So I was like, oh, well, I, I thought it was fair. Uh, you know, we'll play on. So now there's a guy on first. So now I've got to get to a point where I can see second and first. And I guess maybe another kid got on. So I had to see second, got on first and second. So I've got to see all the bases somehow. So where they had me stand, I guess, was a little bit behind the shortstop in that range. So this is the third batter of the game. The kid hits it right down the first baseline. I can't see anything. And by the time I make a call, one kid's already close to home base. The other kid's rounding third. I call it foul because, you know, or just earlier in the game, I called one fair. That probably wasn't fair. Well, the other coach, the batting coach, was not happy about that, and he had a good view of that one. So he actually came out on the field and was not not happy about it. And I was this little 13-year-old Trevor umpire in my first game ever, and there I probably had likely made just two mistakes back-to-back, and I was just thinking to myself, of course this would happen to me. And of course, but subconsciously you did it with, with what is well-known, in, in bas- especially in basketball, you, made, you did a makeup call. You feel you thought you feel like you made an, an incorrect call the first time, and when a, as a, the next judgment call came up, 
or, or you know, in some cases, a ticky tack opportunity for a foul call comes up. You made it. You made it. What it's a makeup call. Referees. It's the oldest. It's the unwritten rule in the referees' books for the longest time. Yeah, but I. But I again, this was a thirteen or fourteen year old me. So this was over ten years ago. But if you'd been confident in your first call, would you would you have thought about it? Oh, I messed up the first one. I, I, since I don't know what this is, it's fifty fifty. I'll go the other way. If you hadn't well, done it the first no, time, I, I, I think in the back of my mind, I called them. I, I, as well as I could. I, I think I called the first one foul because I thought it was foul. And I think I called the the or the or first one fair because I thought it was fair. And I think I called the second one foul because I thought it was foul. But to be honest, I didn't really have that great of an idea on either. So I called it the first one how I saw it. I If I was wrong, I'm sure I probably was. The second one, there, there was a little bit of that played into it, Trevor. Uh, I thought it was foul. It looked foul, but I wasn't 100% sure. So I thought, hey, might as well call it foul because I might have messed one up earlier. So, yes, I probably did do a makeup call as a 13-year-old. Why do they have a 13 out there umpiring a game, by the way? Could they not find anyone a little older? No offense. Right. (laughs) I I guess they liked – I I was – Wise beyond my years, supposedly. Look at that child labor place you you referenced. I mean, is this from a Cavalier Gifford or something? And I, I think I like back then I got ten dollars a game, which back Ooh, then was money. awesome. You know, how many snow cones did you buy with that at the concession stand? I could probably still make ten dollars a game right now, and I'd probably be pretty thrilled about it. Uh, but, but now I don't think you know you shouldn't be doing makeup calls if you're a forty-five-year-old guy and you miss one. I understand that there's some times that you may miss calls, and that's okay. But move on to the next one. People at work sometimes I write a story that probably isn't that good. But I don't try to, you know, uh, there's nothing really you can do at that point. All you can do is go back out there and try to write a better one. So if you miss a call, you miss a call. Officiating has got to change. They need to put more money into it. That's the easiest thing that I can think to do. And, And holding people accountable. If somebody does a bad job, don't pay them. You know, or don't pay them as much. Make them sit out a game. Put some accountability into it so they know that, hey, if I don't do a good job, there's going to be a price to pay. Something's got to change, though. We need to head to our second commercial break here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Stick around on this about-to-be-rainy Tuesday afternoon. They say the bigger the headache, the bigger the pill, baby. They call me the big pill. Dr. Funkenstein, the disco fiend with the monster sound, the cool goo with the bump transplant. Hip bone connected to my thigh bone, my thigh bone connected to my leg bone, my leg bone connected to my ankle bone. I get so hung up on bones. Oh, Dr. Funkenstein here. Man, money ain't got no owners, only spenders. Trevor, you're probably going to kill me. What was that intro from? I wasn't sure if you knew this show. Do you, did you watch The Wire? I did not. I've been meaning to, oh, but I okay. That was that was one of the classic Omar little lines from The Wire when he 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 robs Marlo, who is a significant uh, character on the show, and Marlo looks at him. He says, uh, "That's my money." He said, "Money ain't got no owners, only spenders." Oh, that's a fun quote. I've been wanting to watch The Wire. There's so many shows. I love that the I've been way you say that. You sound like one of those people that doesn't laugh. It's like that's funny. 
I guess it's a fun oh, quote. <laughs> I do laugh. I promise I do. Okay, so little research here. Uh, first off, we're trying to figure out Rand Paul running for president. If there's been any other major Kentuckians to run for president. Can I, can I guess Jim Bunning, maybe? Uh, you can. I don't know if... That I don't think that's accurate because that's the only my limited political knowledge. Obviously, uh, is centered in on baseball, former sports athletes who are in office. No, I, I don't think he ever ran for president. Okay. Um, <clears throat> first off, one person that we didn't bring up, which was kind of silly, because we were talking about how old Henry Clay was, and there's had to be somebody since then. Abraham Lincoln was from Kentucky. Now he represented Illinois. Right? Yeah. So. Uh, but, but, you know, he's probably somebody we still, we still should have mentioned, uh, that being said, so my buddy, and this was kind of funny because on Saturday, Trevor, I went to Keeneland and, uh, took in some of the races and enjoyed tailgating a beautiful day, had a smaller group of people, but all those people work in politics. Some have spent time in DC. A lot of them do just local campaigns in Kentucky um, all of them, I'm sure, were at Rand Paul's announcement today. So it was kind of weird to me because I'm used to hanging out with sports people and you sit around and drink beer and you talk sports and you argue and this and that. These people were talking politics and I had no idea what to say to them. I had, I, it, you know, I, the questions I asked were probably just the most basic, stupid questions, like the equivalent of somebody saying, Is Calipari a cheater? <laughs> you know, and I hated being that person, but I probably was. So, uh, so I texted one of them today and asked who the last serious Kentuckian to run for president. He initially said probably Henry Clay, the the last serious person to run for president. There was maybe you know people since then that have said that they're going to here and there, but it hasn't worked out for one reason. But he said also an acceptable answer. And let me know if this name rings a bell for you. Albin W. Barkley. Unless that's the fake name Charles Barkley gives certain hotels, I that does not ring a bell. Barles Charkley? Barles Charkley, yes. That's only that's only in Indianapolis. In Annapolis, he gives the other name. He was the <clears throat> vice president the 35th vice president of the united states would that be carter maybe then truman Ooh, wow way way off on that one so that's you know i guess he was very close to being a president if you know something had happened if he'd done a uh done like uh, kevin spacey and house of cards maybe he would have been president Let's see. This is via Wikipedia. When Truman announced that he would not seek re-election in 1952, Barkley began organizing a presidential campaign, but labor leaders refused to endorse his candidacy because of his age, and he withdrew from the race. Well, that sounds like a nice little age ageism suit. By the way, he, he died three years after he left office. So, so you're saying <laughs> it's the right call. It appears that they made the right call, yes. Oh, poor Albin. He left office on January 20th, 1953 and died April 30th, 1956. That's a bummer. 
Uh, that's, that's funny that you found that, and then it ended up being perfectly true. Uh, I'm sure he was a fantastic, fantastic vice president. Old Albin W. Barkley from, I think, McCracken County? That's correct, at least according you to ever, Wikipedia. You ever been down to McCracken County? I no, did not. I'm not even sure where McCracken County is. I'm looking at it now on the map, and no. I'm, I'm not very familiar with a lot of the... Uh, the southwestern part of Kentucky. It's Paducah. It's the western ah, Kentucky yes. part. You know Charlie? You know Charlie. Uh, yes, I know the rumor of Charlie. The, the radio disaster that Whether is Whether he mine. actually exists still or not, or you just change your voice on occasion. My friend. Uh, he claims that he could name all 120 counties off the top of his head. No way. He, sa- he says, give me a piece of paper. I will write down 120 counties for you. He's been saying that, and Charlie and I lived with each other in college, every year in college. Uh, this really the past year is the first year in a long time that we haven't lived with each other. And growing up, we were neighbors. So I feel like I've just been around Charlie for way too long. But what, And he's been saying this forever. So I think it maybe was maybe 2011 or 2012. I just I said, you know what, Charlie, shut up. You can't do it. I gave him a piece of paper. And I said, write down 120 counties. Do it. Write them down. And he was like, well, well, I, I, don't, I don't feel like doing it now. So he didn't do it right then and there. And then he found, do you remember when Sporkle was really popular? Yes. Yes, I do. In fact, well, I don't remember when it was popular because I didn't realize what it was until like three years after it was popular. So it's, it's like a trivia site. Yes. It's got trivia quizzes. So he found one on there that was name all 120 counties. And what it did, that one had them in alphabetical order. So he knew that if he was missing one between, you know, I, I don't know if there's a Johnson County or not, but let's I'm say he was sure missing one is. between Jefferson and Johnson County or something like that, that he could narrow it down that way, which I felt a little bit different than just taking a piece of paper and writing all 120 down. So he was like, okay, I'll do this one. And he's doing his tough guy routine and God love him. Uh, he ended up getting, I think, maybe 90, which is still really impressive, but not 120. So I was kind of happy about that. Is this like a, is, can you do this for every state or just Kentucky? Just Kentucky. Oh, his superpowers are limited to our borders. You know, Charlie had, and I'm sure he'd probably say this if he was on the air, but, uh, can, you know, you, some people go to college at UK and, and they get caught up in some of the having fun part. And he did that to a little bit of an extent. Not a, not a great, you know, he, he's, he's a very smart person. But he's got the most, he's a, the best trivia, one of the best trivia partners you can ever have because he knows all this random stuff. Like he could name almost all of Kentucky's 120 counties. It's impressive. Uh, anyways, we're going to hit a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to bring it back to basketball. Uh, who stays, who goes. I'm going to give you all some predictions here on 1450, the sports buzz. So stick around. Yeah, this is a story of famous dog. But the dog that chases its tail will be busy. These are clapping dogs, rhythmic dogs, harmonic dogs, house dogs, street dogs.
But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. Sports buzz. Am I mistaken by thinking that they're making they're making a super tro- troopers too, right? I would like to, I'd probably because they're probably running out of the money that they earned off Super Troopers one. So yeah, I could see that being done right about now. I, I'm pretty sure that they are, uh, unless I'm just going crazy. Uh, I don't know how good that would be though. I mean, the, the Super Troopers came out of nowhere, and then I guess was it Beer Fest was okay, but then they did the the horror slasher movie that was awful. And then since then they've just done cameos and other kind of cheesy comedies. Yeah, I, I mean you'd still go see it though, wouldn't you? I, I, well, I didn't even. I, Super Troopers was a movie I was at during a time when I would just buy DVDs randomly without even seeing the movie, and occasionally you would get gold like Super Troopers. Occasionally you'd get you know crap like something Ashton Kutcher was in. But you know, but I, yeah, I don't know if I'd go see it in theaters, but I'd probably rent it. I don't know if I'd go see it in theaters. I'm very picky about I mean, what I, I pay the theater money for. I saw Dumb and Dumber, the the second one, and that was terrible. But yeah, that I just, makes you I the dumb one, it. by the way. <laughs> I, I had to see it. Um, Captain Arctic tweets in, isn't there a Barkley County or lake? Uh, there is a Lake Barkley, and it goes into Kentucky and Tennessee. I'm not sure if it's named after our buddy that we mentioned in the show earlier. And Trevor and I were having a conversation during the break about how uh, Yates texted into the show saying that he's got a friend that can name 120 counties. Again, I just I don't know if you got them in front of us. The pressure is on. You gave them a piece of paper, gave them 20 minutes. I don't think they could do it. Uh, Trevor said that he couldn't, without a doubt, do it because he didn't know how many counties there were or whatever. Whatever you said, uh, I Trevor. didn't know there was 120. I knew Kentucky had a ton, but I didn't know. And by the way, for reference, yes, it is named after uh, Albin Barkley. And so I put together this little game during the break, and it took me the entire break to do it, uh, and I was really impressed with myself. And you're going to play it, Trevor. You're the contestant. We could get people to call in, uh, but I don't really have anything to give away right now. Should I get some music ready, some game show music or something? Yeah, or? get some game show music ready. In, any particular uh, game show? Um, nope, just whatever you want, buddy. You're the one that's going to be playing. <laughs> Okay, let me. Uh, I'm typing as fast as I can. Let's see here. Let's here we go. Here we go. Here, here's an oldie but a goodie. Something I watch every day. Once I get past the 10 seconds of advertisement, the YouTube is forcing me to watch about a car that I can never afford to buy, but I still have to watch eight more seconds of it. Okay. You liked that okay. little rant, didn't you? <laughs> okay, I, I did. I liked it a lot. All right, now Toyota's done shoving it down my throat. Here we go. What we got for me? Hit me up. All right, so we're going to do a game, Trevor, whether you tell me that this is a county in Kentucky or the last name of a player on the uh, points in a season list in Kentucky basketball history. <laughs> okay, I can do this. One of, the, one of the top 100 Kentucky basketball scores in a single season. Okay. Okay, uh, so hold on. I, I want to add one more to it, uh, just see if I can. Like I'm going to get past the first one anyway. Well, okay. Here we go. Uh, let me make. Let me double check. Do a little this. Do a little that, and we're good. All right. Andrews County is that a county? Is that an actual county or the last name of a Kentucky basketball player? I'm gonna go county. 
Wrong. Play the play the buzzer noise. Oh man, hold on. I gotta. <laughs> I should have had that queued up, shouldn't I? And you might need to get a, a right one because it's only a fifty percent chance you might get one right. There you go. Incorrect. It Wrong. Is, Different game it, show, but incorrect nonetheless. It, it named <laughs> Jim Andrews, 1971-1972. Uh, he scored 602 points in a season. That's good for 22nd in Kentucky basketball his, history. I think it's worthy right. of getting a county named after you. Uh, yeah, yes, sir. All right, next one. You got the music back on, or are we going to do uh, it? Did, I did it. I, went, I had to go to – clicked on the same YouTube page, so just let's just go through it. <laughs> okay. Allen – County is that a county or the last name of a Kentucky basketball player in the top 100 of season scoring? Oh man, I can't think of a. I'm going to stick with county again. That's a county. You're right. It is a county. Woo! And that is it's got a population of 20,000. It's right on the hey. Tennessee Kentucky border, Southern Kentucky. Allen County is a, a county in Kentucky. All right, one one and one and one. Not bad. Not bad. Southern 500. All right, Mercer County. Oh, that's a player. Ron Mercer, baby, 20 points in the freshman year in the 1996 title game. And this makes me really happy because it's both. Oh! It's a county and <laughs> it's a county and a player. Obviously, Ron Mercer, uh, but there's also Mer Mercer County, uh, which is a very old county in Kentucky. It's not too far from Lexington, 21,000 people plus. Uh, so that's both. I don't remember All both. Right. Was both an option? I don't remember you saying that. Well, you got to be smart enough. You got to think. Got to think. Who you're talking to? <laughs> next, next one, Knight County. Oh, this, this is coming off a very trick question here. Um, only played a freshman year. Top one. I'm going to go county only. Well, what about Brandon Knight? And that's what I'm. It's, but I, I realize that. But I'm thinking you're trying to trick me with the whole Mercer and both and. I could see that being a trick question because you know I know who Brandon Knight is. Brandon Knight was 12th in UK's all-time scoring in one season. He had 657 points in 2011. There is no Knight County. You're wrong. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. Uh, and remember, this list goes to, to 100, so there's going to be some names on here you don't know. That's not a heads up. Yeah, like not, I've known any of them beforehand. <laughs> not County. Is that a county or a player? You know, I, th I'm, I know this is, seems to be the, the consensus pick for me, but I'm going county again on this one too. Because I think I've county. seen, I think I've seen Knott County. You are right about Knott County. It's yes. in Eastern Kentucky. Uh, they've got uh, over sixteen thousand people. It's a, uh, it's a nice little county down there. Ooh, sixteen thousand. I might have a Walmart. So it's, it's in the uh, Appalachia region. Knott County is a county, not a basketball player. All right. What about? Harrison County. <laughs> uh, Harrison County. That's like that's both. I'm gonna say both. You're right. It is both. Yeah. After Aaron Harrison, who last year put up 549 points, tying him with Deron Lamb for 40th all time in a Kentucky season. But also, you have Harrison County, which is in northern Kentucky. Cynthiana, where my grandmother's from, whoop, whoop. Uh, and that's just about 19,000 people live in Harrison County. That is both. So good job, Trevor. All right. Here, here I, I rewarded myself. Here we go. Bam. Just like that. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> I like it. And you got one more. All right. Hart, Hart County. Oh, I know that's a county. 
I know it is. Uh, but is it a player too? I'm gonna go county only again. County only again. You got yeah. it. <laughs> Look how, at how me. Do you know that, how do you know that Hart County is a county? I believe I've driven through it. Or okay. driven near it, past it. Yeah, I, you got to remember. I went to Western Kentucky, and I've driven to uh, St. Louis many a times, and take a lot of road trips. So even though I haven't driven down the southern western part of Kentucky, anywhere from here to the Tennessee area, I've probably passed it. All right. Well, you uh, not not too bad. I I don't know what your exact record was, but it was probably around five hundred. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't so, it wasn't thirty eight no, but it was it was pretty close. You're right. <laughs> Maybe uh, not quite thirty eight and one either. No. Anyways. Um, okay. Well, you did, you, you, I guess you probably did better. Than I, I surprised that was, you, didn't I? You, you that was a fun little game. We yeah. need to put this in our back pocket and, and remember it for the summer. I'll have to get some more, uh, some more game show uh, sound bites stuff put together that I can use instead of doing it on the fly. I'm sure there are plenty of other Kentucky players that have had, that have the last name of one of you of Kentucky's 120 counties. And maybe if we get some prizes, we can have people call in. Uh, we can, you know, give away some stuff if they can get it right. That would be a good time. That's something that we're going to keep in mind. I feel like I'm the uh, doing the Charles Barkley inside the NBA game. We're like, what team does he play for? What, is he even in the league? I love those things. Yeah, so we, we can do more of that. Well, that would be a good time. Um, Louisville adds a uh, transfer from Cleveland State. Trey Lewis averaged just under 17 points, a 6'3 guard. Uh, could go nice with Quinn Snyder and Donovan Mitchell. Backcourt maybe not as bad as uh, Louisville. Louisville fans maybe pictured going into next year. What do you take of Trey Lewis going to going to the cards? If he's, I'm happy that Louisville brings in a shooter, but I do have a little pessimistic worry that being a one-year guy and coming from a team the last couple of years where he's had to be the shoot first, shoot second, shoot third type of mentality – I worry that he comes into Louisville as more of a, a, a gunner and, and almost kind of like what Chris Jones, you know, a shoot first, second, and third attitude that can take away from the, the team movement and some of the guys that might need getting shots, especially that, you know, are trying to come into their own and some freshmen we have coming in. That worries me a little bit. But if he doesn't act like that and he doesn't have that attitude, I don't watch him enough at Cleveland State to know what he does. I'm just talking just, to, you know, from what I've looked, looked at his career from afar. Then if he's just, but Louisville needs a shooter. So if he comes in as just a pure shooter and falls into the system, then it's a great, great ad for Louisville, I think. And uh, I think it's a, a really good ad. And, and maybe Louisville needs him to be that scorer. Maybe they need him to be a, a Russ Smith type guy where he can kind of do his own thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I think a lot of his success might depend on just how good Donovan Mitchell is. If Donovan Mitchell can help him scoring from the perimeter, help him scoring and attacking. Uh, you also had in Quinn Snyder. I, I think Louisville's backcourt is going to be pretty solid next year. Again, maybe not the best in the country, maybe not as good as it was this year or the past few years, but I think it's going not going to be a, a huge glaring weakness. Now, the front court maybe a different story. Uh, we'll have more time to talk about that. A lot of big decisions from Kentucky players this week. John Calipari, as we mentioned yesterday on the show, thought that Trey Lyles would be gone. Figured that. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein would be gone, Carl Anthony Towns would be gone, and the Harrison Twins would be gone. If all those players do leave, that, you know, that's kind of to be expected at this point. And I, I think UK building a roster moving forward kind of expects those guys to, be, to go. Anything else would be an added bonus. Uh, I spoke with Trey Lyles, high school coach, yesterday. 
Is that thunder I just heard in your background, by the way? Probably so. It's it's we're rumbling out here. The sky looks as uh, ominous as could be. It's I'm getting lightning, but no rain out in this way, which is a scary thought when you have trailers parked around you. Uh, it's raining over here. That's for sure. And it's lightning, and it's probably going to be thundering, and we've probably got a little bit more of that in the show the next ten minutes that we've got. Uh, so hope that's not a distraction to you all. I try to not let it be a distraction to me. Sometimes I do. I like a good thunderstorm. Sometimes I have jumped because of thunder before, though. I so, like them as long as electricity stays on. Yeah, me too. Uh, so knock on wood that that isn't an issue here, or else the show will go into the dark. Uh, so UK, I think, is preparing for those guys to leave. Trey Lyles, again, you can read my story with his high school coach at catsillustrated.com. Kind of got the vibe there that he would be leaving. Um, His coach said that he's both mentally and physically ready for the next level. Uh, He thinks that he can succeed in the NBA. And if he is a lottery pick, then he has to go. He cited Greg Oden as a reason why players can't really risk to come back when you've got a great opportunity presented in front of you. Um, Trey Lyles, I don't know if he was ever necessarily on the fence, but it seemed like a guy that maybe could surprise people. And I think he... I think he's likely probably gone. Uh, Willie Collins, we'll go on, Trevor. I was going to say, on a scale of 10 being, he's, I know it for a fact he's coming back, one being he's gone. Other than Euless, and of course maybe like Sam Malone, but he's a senior, or, uh, or Derek Willis, is there anybody above a six that you would put on that ranking for anybody on the roster for Kentucky this year? I, I think Devin Booker would probably, I, I, I think there's a good chance he could come back. And, the reason I say that, and really, if you know, if the Harrison twins were making their own decision, and I'm not going to get into this too much, if they were making, if it was just strictly up to them and there was no consequences, I think they would come back. They should come back. I really, I really do. Andrew, Andrew, I, I think is going to be a good pro, and I think he'll be fine if he leaves now. Aaron has a lot to prove. People don't bring that up. People talk about how. You know, a guy like Trey Lyles could come back and dominate and, and maybe become a top five pick. I don't necessarily disagree with that. Right now, in some mock drafts, Aaron Harrison's not even being projected to get drafted. So he could certainly come back and improve that. And if he can be a more consistent three point shooter, especially during the season, because he's good during the tournament, but if he can get that number up to about 38% during the season, 37%, what it is in the tournament, and I think in the tournament it's probably like 42% or 43%, something ridiculous. If he can just be a more consistent outside shooter, he's going to get drafted and, and he can be fine in the NBA. If it was strictly up to them, I, I think they'd be at least entertain the idea of coming back because they don't want to play without each other either. Because once they, once they go their separate ways from college, they'll probably never play with each other again. Yeah, the Morris twins play together in Phoenix. Yeah, but they're both really, really good. Yeah, true, good point. And, and, you know, you don't know how that's going to work out in the NBA with the Harrison Twins. Dakari Johnson, I think, should be coming back. He will make a decision later this week. He'll talk with family. Again, he's a guy, you know, do you risk getting going to the draft when you might not get drafted? I think Dakari Johnson would probably get drafted maybe in the second round. But, you know, I think there's a really good opportunity if he decided to come back and what that could do for his draft stock and his game. He regressed a little bit. Slightly. 
Uh, he got a lot of shots blocked. Wasn't really the dominating force. I think maybe losing some of that weight hurt his game. Certainly playing behind Carl Anthony Towns and Willie Colley Stein didn't help his game. You think it also hurts? He's the type of guy that maybe needs to be on the court for stretches to get through early hiccups. Like exactly the baseball think, yeah. analogy. You know, some guys can't be closer. Some guys can't come in right away and turn it on. You know, they have to be a starting pitcher where the first inning or two is kind of, you know, feeling it out type thing. Exactly. Uh, I agree 110%. Uh, he, he, he's probably a guy that needs to go through some bumps and bruises in a game, get figure, you know, get comfortable, get his feet wet, and then he can dominate. He did a great job his freshman year. I mean, he really did. Hindsight, he probably should have come out. Yeah, yeah, really probably should have, to be honest. And now he finds himself in a position where he can come back, have a lot of minutes. So a lot of UK fans are talking about how next year's team isn't going to be as good. It probably won't be. I mean, there would have to be some maybe surprises, surprise returnees, and maybe a surprise recruit. But it doesn't really have to be as good. You know, uh, it doesn't have to be as good to win the title. The tournament's a weird thing. Teams win the title that shouldn't win the title year in and year out. So Kentucky doesn't have to be as good to to assure to lock that up. So I think if you get a situation where Devin Booker comes back, Dakari Johnson comes back, and UK adds one more player to the front court, which I'm not sure if they would at that situation. They miss out on Malik Newman. They miss out on Jalen Brown. That's still a top five team. If you have a backcourt of Eulis, Briscoe, Matthews, TJ, if, the, have you, if we learned one thing over the last couple of years, it's the backcourt. I mean, you can have a great frontcourt. I mean, Wisconsin, Duke, both great frontcourts. Kentucky, a great frontcourt this year. But when you look at the last couple champions, big men, it, colleges, big men are for the NBA. College is about the backcourts. Who, why did Duke win last night? The backcourt was better than Wisconsin's. Why did UConn win the year before that? The backcourt. Louisville versus Michigan title game. Two probably two best backcourts in the country, and Louisville having the better advantage at that point in that season, in that night. Uh, the 2012 Kentucky team was just a weird team because everyone could play about every position and defend every position. But you, I mean, for the most part, the greatest big men through college have less rings than the average guard in the NBA, but great in college guard. You're right, but I, I think UK's backcourt. If you if if you have Booker return. Here's what happens. Kentucky, worst case scenario next year, they have Euless, Briscoe, Isaiah Briscoe, the freshman, yeah. uh, Charles Matthews, and Dominique Hawkins. Not an unbelievable backcourt, but a good backcourt. Is it good enough to win the title? We'll see. We'll see how good Briscoe is. We see, we'll see how far Dominique Hawkins has come. But, you know, Dominique Hawkins has shown that he can guard some of the best players in college basketball. Tyler Eulis is Tyler Eulis. Isaiah Briscoe is going to be the most confident player in college basketball next year, that's for sure. And Charles Matthews is a guy where we'll see. We'll see how good he is. We'll see what he's able to do. Uh, and we'll see how he transitions to the next level. You know, I think he's a guy where if he doesn't have a ton of expectations, can really surprise some people. And, and that would be a solid role for him. Uh, but if that's the, and that's the worst case scenario, and that's not that bad. Now, if you add Booker back to it, it's one of the best backcourts in the country. If you subtract Booker and add Malik Newman, one of the best backcourts in the country. So, 
I think Kentucky's got a good chance to not only have a good backcourt, but also have a good frontcourt next season. You could add Alex Poitras back. We'll see how he transitions back from injury. That's always a big question mark with players and and, and knee injuries. But uh, you know, I, I think he's really come a long way. So you, you see a lot of these early top twenty-five polls. You see some bracketology. Joe Lenardi on his way too early bracketology had UK a one seed. Uh, you know, Indiana two seed. Indiana two seed. I think they might have been in the same region, uh, which means that game would be in Louisville. Which oh man, elite eight game to go to the final four. Louisville, Indiana. That would get the fire extinguisher for that on Fourth Street Live. That would oh my yeah no kidding, uh, and who that would be something. Um, Louisville but, was a five seed by the way for if for a few Cardinal fans that might be listening or just tuned in early to get the Nick show. Then my group my 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 Louisville friends I'm in a group message with them and they were some of the you know the people I talked about yesterday but they were talking about expectations for this season. One guy said. 19 and 12 heading into the ACC, um, which I, I think Louisville will be a little bit better than that. We did a podcast with Cats Illustrated today and talked about maybe expectations for next season. Here's the thing. They're going to play, I think they're going to play Ohio State in the CBS Sports Classic. I'm not 100% sure where that game's going to be. Uh, it was in Chicago last year. They're going to go out to Las Vegas one year. So I'm thinking New York or Brooklyn. So they're going to play Ohio State in that game. That should be a win. They're going to play Duke in the Champions Classic, and I'm pretty sure that game will be in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Duke's going to lose a lot. Now, they're going to be good next year, but they're not going to be as good. And they're going to lose a lot. That's a game that Kentucky can win. Uh, you're going to have Louisville at home. You think Kentucky's going to be favored in that game. You've got to go to UCLA in a non-conference game. That should probably be a win, to be honest. UCLA lost uh, lost Looney to the pros. You're going to not play UNC next year. That game would normally be in Chapel Hill, but I, I'm 90% sure they're not playing it. You'll have a Big 12 game that will be on the road, Big 12 SEC game that will be on the road. That, that'll probably be a tough game. Maybe you lose that one. And then whatever other non-conference uh, schemes they come up with. Trevor, I'm not going to say 40 and 0, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go on and say it. You know, I'm, you know it's going to be at one point. It's going to be brought up again. I mean, it, it, at, it le- will. at least there's somebody rolling around right now who made undefeated T-shirts and was smart enough not to put the year on it. Oh, it, I mean, it'll be if Kentucky ever gets to a point where they're 10 and 0, 20 and 0, it'll always be brought up. That's it's, but it's crazy to ever think about. It's way too hard as we saw this year. It was, it, Kentucky was so close and it was still unbelievably difficult. Well, next year is, and, and you know a lot of the incoming freshmen more than I do because you, you follow them a lot better. And, and I've always been that guy that'll say, be honest and say I don't really buy into the stock of an incoming freshman until I see them wearing that college jersey and watch them in college games. But I mean, next year you don't have. Unlikely, and we don't know this yet, because you said, like you said, Booker could come back. You could have Johnson back. It could be a very similar situation to when they've had success with a mix of freshmen and sophomores or upperclassmen. But next year could be a lot more like the NIT year, where it's strictly all freshmen no. and very little left. I'm not saying an NIT year will be the result, but I'm saying that you don't. They've Cal Perry's always been more successful, and it's hard to say he hasn't been in five Final Fours when he has the nice mixture opposed to just the all freshman team. Well, you could have a nice picture. I mean, Tyler Eulis is going to be a sophomore. But Eulis might be Hawkins your only one. 
I mean, yeah, Hopkins, yeah but Hopkins Dominic doesn't count. Be a junior. There's going to be a, a Marcus Lee will be a junior. There's going to be a mixture of older guys. You're just not really thinking of them right now because you're Trevor. Uh, <laughs> and, and also, Tyler Ulysses is a winner. They didn't have a guy like that in, in 2013. <laughs> he, he's He's a winner. He's a guy that's not going to let a team lose, and John Calipari uh, is excited about that. I'm excited about it. We'll talk more about it. We're out of time today. Thanks for listening. Everybody be safe out there in that weather. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll see you then. Freeze classics, pink Kentucky blue. They say don't forget to seven, no be hitting two. Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home, take a shot of chrome. Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to be G in my zone. Let me hear you say high time, sitting by the river. Got my old shotgun, fishing pole in my liquor. Cause people always trying to tell me how to run my life when they say I'm going.